Boy, we see a growing, growing play, uh, uh, part of our economy coming from tourism and recreation. Uh, and it's also, you know, very much our way of life here in Montana. As we've talked, the industry, the industry was among the hardest hit in the pandemic. But I think when you see that, you look for some silver linings, and I, th- I think we find that. I think there's adjustment going on. And what will that be on the other side here? We're not really – we haven't qu- quite come out of the dark ages, if you'll allow me, uh, but we're getting there. So we're going to talk about that today. Local, national leaders here, state leaders, the recreation industry, and it is charging on. We're at the Governor's Conference on Tourism and Recreation today on Voices of Montana. Thanks for being here. It's two decades strong, working on three, and uh, – you know, Monday, Monday. Can't, can't trust that day. Uh, Tom Schultz alongside. You can text us if you got some questions today at 781-627-5483. We're live at the Doubletree where the Governor's Conference on Tourism and Recreation is uh, actually kind of started late yesterday. Uh, and today it's just a, a full gamut here of uh, a really, really good keynote speakers. We're going to have a couple of them on for us uh, in this program, too, as Peter Shankman will join us shortly. The, uh, the what was it, the New York Times called him a rock star? Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, if you could be called the rock star, I think you would take it, right? Yeah. The new butterfly effect, why the customer experience matters now more than ever. And then a bit later on, Sherry Rupert's going to be with us from IANTA. Um, that's the Alaska, um, actually the Native American it's pretty specific. It's American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association. She's going to be here a bit later on. Jan Stoddard, Adam Schaefer, watching me struggle through these papers to find that. They are with us as we start off. And uh, Jan's the bureau chief with the Montana Department of Commerce. Um, and Adam Schaefer, uh, deputy director. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. Here. Great. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks, Tom. Um, Jan, you were saying earlier that you've had uh, you do a, a number of these conferences. Um, although we haven't been meeting in in public or in person, I guess uh, for for a little while. Um, what uh, what do what do the what does the industry take away from this from these kinds of uh, events? Well, we've had these conferences for uh, over 17 years now. And um, it's always been that unique opportunity that we bring people from the tourism and hospitality industry from all across the state together in one place to meet in person. So, for example, this conference, we had people from Ekalaka, from Whitefish, from Dillon, Glasgow, every single part of the state, big city, small city, comes together. And we prov- we try and provide present them with keynote speakers, um, especially national ones that maybe have a little bit different perspective, that have some bigger national or international knowledge um, that helps inform where we want to go with our marketing and helps us learn more about our visitor. We haven't been, we haven't met for two years in person, so this is really an exciting time to get back together, learn network and then go back and uh, you know how do you, how do you market to the new type of visitor that comes to Montana right yeah. how, how do you better manage that recreation um, piece of this um, and and the, the millions of people that flood to Montana every year more and more camping all the time by the way <laughs> well and that's uh, Adam Schaefer deputy director Montana Department of Commerce um, that's a good problem to have but it's still a problem you have. Yeah, we've had over 11 million visitors came to Montana in 2020. Um, tourism's a wow. huge segment of uh, Montana's economy, and you know the Department of Commerce. You know, we we are uh, the you know the the go-to for economic development for the state, uh, but we're also 
uh, the go-to for tourism. We have the tourism office here at the Department of Commerce, and Jan and her team uh, you know, work year-round uh, to market Montana, uh, to work with all our local um, our, uh, stakeholders on the, and in the tourism economy. And you know, this is a great culmination of uh, you know, the work that they do preparing for this uh, conference each year. And we've got a number of uh, top speakers and a number of uh, exhibitors and I think over 300 people that are here to, to celebrate with us. Talk about some of these speakers, um, Jan. I mean, uh, you're, 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 as, as we were talking before we got on the air, pretty excited about the breakout sessions and, uh, mm-hmm. and the level of, just a high level of uh, discussion that you guys are going to be able to have here. So what, what's interesting is actually we booked some of these speakers two years ago before we canceled our conference, and we've actually had to veer their topics uh, yeah. because so many changes have happened over the last two years. So, you know, we've all been on Zoom calls or, you know, remote by telephone, and, and it's changed how we sell and we market and even changed how we speak to each other, right? So Shauna Sucko is going to come in and talk about that whole dynamic. You know, what's changed over the last two years and what's a better way um, for approaching if you're going to sell something to someone or market to someone. So that's that broader spectrum of knowledge we were talking about before. Peter Shankman's coming in and he has a whole new way to roadmap in building social media and building marketing. So again, you know, we're, we're really looking at what changed over the last two years. And we have our own state research group. Um, it's called ITRR. And they're coming in with all kinds of interesting research. Again, the changes in the last two years that happened with tourism, with visitors, and even with some information on how Montanans feel now about tourism, because there has been a little bit of a shift over the last two years in that as well. Well, and that's an interesting aspect uh, of all of this as well. Um, that's Jan Stoddard, uh, bureau chief, uh, with, uh, one of the bureau chiefs with the Montana Department of Commerce and deputy director. They only have one of those, Adam Schaefer, <laughs> uh, the DOC. Um, Adam, I, I kind of want to have you in the, and then have you follow up on this too, Jan. You mentioned you've got tourism from Ikalaka and you've got tourism interest from Whitefish and you've got the far northeast corner and the far far southwest corner of Montana um, but yet it's one tourism industry or is it yeah I think it's you know it's the tourism industry is made up of a whole whole number of different parts you know you've got the service economy you've got our restaurants you've got our hotels you've got a recreation economy uh, that all uh, come together to form you know the, the overall uh, tourism economy in Montana um, you know we were you, you've mentioned that they're here from all over the state uh, you know interesting uh, statistics that we've got um, almost two-thirds of the of the visitors that come to Montana come here for Yellowstone and Glacier and then but 80 over 80 percent of them return and so part of our uh, challenge and the work that we're also doing is to, to make sure that we're steering and marketing other parts of the state so that uh, we can get those visitors uh, to go beyond the parks and, and go to our other uh, gems across the state. I find that fasc- a fascinating statistic, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of a numbers guy, but um, they come, they want to visit the two parks, but 80% come back. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they want to experience those other parts of Montana. Yeah. So, um, for example, we have a Montana Dinosaur Trail that goes all the way from um, the Ikalaka all the way over to Bozeman, Museum of the Rockies. But along the way, it covers 14 museums and small towns across Montana. Wow. So, you know, we want to we want to build that ability for people to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to investigate this small town, go to the museum, maybe stop and eat some lunch. And then that's that idea of dispersable, you know, getting people away from Nick Yellowstone and Glacier and out into all these other wonderful parts of Montana. 
what did we learn through the pandemic? Now, I talked about some silver linings, and, and, and obviously uh, the keynote speakers will address some of that, but what, what did we learn in terms of um, it, it's becoming a very large part of our economy? but it's also discretionary spending. And so when that large uh, portion of our economy gets hit with something like the pandemic uh, for mm -hmm. a couple of years, um, what, what, is, what is our takeaway from that uh, as we look at, and maybe this is for you, Adam, because uh, for, with the entire Department of Commerce there, um, you know, those that force some changes on us and also to recognize um, how many eggs we have in the recreation industry basket. Yeah, I think we definitely, uh we didn't expect it to come back as fast as it did. Wow. And, you know, we, we are among the leaders in the country, I think, with uh, with our tourism sector coming back as fast as it did. Mm -hmm. And I know Jan's been dealing with a lot of those challenges and talking to a lot of people who have faced those challenges over the last couple of years. Um, you know, at, at Commerce, we had a number of uh, uh, recovery uh, programs to help uh, you know the the restaurant and and tourism industry and the hotels uh, get back on their feet. But with the with the influx of all the visitors we had, you know, we had challenges with workforce uh, and and still do. Um, I think across the state. I think there's another key component we're really working on hard is educating the people, our visitors, and our state residents that, that travel as well about things like recreating responsibly and traveling responsibly. We just had this huge surge in people that camped. You know, the highest number of RVs ever was bought in 2021, right? People that never had an RV or people that had a boat, right? So up front, we were trying to educate people about, you know, here's good information about where you can go, where you can access. And, and when you're there, responsible behavior, because that's real important to the citizens of Montana. You know, they don't want to be overwhelmed at their favorite fishing spot, and they don't want to find people parked, <laughs> you know, um, illegally at, at the same places. So, um, you know, we have a, I think we have a responsibility within, within the state um, on our level to work with our tourism partners to really educate um, the visitors that are coming here. Where, where, uh, Adam, where is tourism and recreation going? I mean, uh, you have an opportunity here to, to shape the industry a little bit because it's still an emerging industry, and, and now it's uh, it's been forced to kind of rethink itself a little bit uh, through the pandemic. Where is it going? Yeah, in in Montana, you know, it's, it continues to, to increase. We've got more and more visitors every year, uh, as we said. Uh, but we've also, um, you know, we're also looking at how we market the state um, and, and where we're going to put those dollars and, and, and really try to try to branch off and, and, and get tourism to go into those other areas, like Jan said, of the state, where we have a, a number of uh, uh, great assets across the state. You know, the, the, the Yellowstone River um, uh, uh, project that the Fish, Wildlife, and Parks is working on, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to team up with them to, to make sure that they have the resources and the infrastructure they need to, to get more visitors out in that area of the state. Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've also... Um, we've also seen, as the influx, we haven't, you know, folks will talk, talk to us about the, the, the TV show Yellowstone and whether or not that that's, that's driven <laughs> uh, uh, more visitors to the state. Because we, we keep the hit, hitting those records and, you know, the, the Department of Commerce and our tourism uh, and marketing bureau, we've, we've been doing this for a long time. And I think we're starting to see the fruits of that endeavor in these record uh, tourism turnouts. So. I, um, I heard somebody tell me that uh, um, Dallas did to uh, Texas what uh, Yellowstone is doing to Montana, I, <laughs> and I haven't even, I've yet to even seen the show. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about cultural tourism because we're going to talk about it uh, in, in more detail, tribal tourism uh, with Sherry Rupert a bit later on. Um, what's, the, um, what's the direction there? So I think that piece of uh, cultural and heritage tribal tourism yeah. is 
really uh, exploding part for us. We know that international visitors that come here, that's one of the things they want to experience. But we really haven't built up all those, um, we call them assets, so all the places to go and visit. We don't have enough museums. We don't have enough visitor centers. We don't have, we're working on a project right now um, all the way in northeast Montana that's building um, a Buffalo Spirit prayer path. And it's literally a path that people can walk and read about the bison that have been brought onto that reservation. So there's a lot of asset development that we need to do. I see. And then um, we have so many unique museums across Montana. So we're also developing a museum route. And how do we drive people again to the museums? And uh, everything from railroad to tractors, you know, um, we've got it here in Montana. So I think just putting all that information together and then making sure people have it to plan and then they can find those spots when they get here. You know, you, you got to have good signage, right? Yes. Yeah, right. No, it's a big part of it. Like you say, getting the infrastructure in place. Um, Ten seconds. What's the must hit uh, breakout session for you? Uh, for me, it's it's going to go see uh, uh, Peter, our keynote, so, keynote oh, speaker. Peter Shankman, that's good. He's right behind us here. That's, that's a good answer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Jan? Uh, you t- oh, don't make me choose, Tom. Yeah, I'm sorry. I think, actually, we're developing a burger trail um, <laughs> with Montana beef. All it- right. Hold the commercial break. <laughs> we are not going anywhere. Uh, you're developing a burger trail. Yes. All right. All right. Yes, in small towns in southeast Montana. And um, I'm, I'm anxious to get on there and try them all. All right. Yep. Me too. All right. Thank you, guys. Jan Stoddard, Adam Schaefer. Appreciate that. Montana, we're lucky to call it home. From farms, ranches, and hometown businesses to our tallest peaks, ski slopes, and rushing rivers, the vibe is different here. At Stockman Bank, we give you the time and freedom to enjoy this great Montana lifestyle. Bank easily online or visit us at any of our locations across Montana. Convenient banking whenever and wherever you need it. Stockman Bank, Montana's brand of banking. Member FDIC. Why? Just think about it. Why is the number one selling brand of chainsaws not sold at Lowe's or the Home Depot? We can give you over 10,000 reasons. That's how many authorized local steel dealers you can find across the country. Visit one and you'll find a range of dependable gas and battery-powered tools, from trimmers to blowers. And you'll find service from experienced professionals. Real steel. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Lowe's and Home Depot are trademarks of their respective companies. Welcome back. Brian Bennett with Headline News for the Northern News Network. I'm Tom Schultz. We are live at the Montana uh, Governor's Conference on Tourism and Recreation here. It's at the Doubletree in Billings, Montana. First time in a couple of years, although this has been a regular part of um, of the Department of Commerce and uh, the Tourism Division there. Going to speak now with Peter Shankman, one of the keynote speakers. And and uh, his, his address is the new butterfly effect, why the customer experience matters more now than ever before. Um, I love the bio, though, Peter. Uh, you know, I was going to put it up here. The, the, the New York uh, Times calls you a, a rock star. I, yeah, it's, uh, it really shows the quality, the poor quality of the New York Times editorial staff there. No, um, you know, it's a nice title to have. It is That's a nice, nice title moniker. to have. I'll take it from yeah. New York Times. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I know a lot about, a, a, a little about a lot, I guess, is how they phrase yeah. it, or yeah. the other way. But uh, no, 
it's, I'm looking forward to this. This is this is the first conference that in 2020 called me and canceled when COVID hit. Oh, oh yeah. So to, ha- so to have it finally back and to get out here is, is, is a wonderful feeling. You guys were the first. You, you opened the tidal wave. You called, and over the next three days, 14 conferences in a row. They got you back. Canceled and posted. You know, it's like, hey, sorry, we'll be back in a couple of years. Oh, God, it was brutal. Oh, oh, it was but brutal. I bet it was fun filling in your calendar, oh, though, again. It was, you, know? It's, you know, someone like me, I have massive ADHD, right? <laughs> Attention deficit. And so, Which you admit, yeah. Oh, I own it. It's which my you superpower. Use, which yeah, you it's, work it's my with. superpower. Yeah, yeah. And so, but the problem is, is that, is that, you know, I need a full calendar, right? Otherwise, yeah. uh, you know, bad stuff could happen. It's like a 45-minute speech in Tokyo used to take four days. Now it takes about 45 minutes over Zoom. Oh yeah, right? yeah. So it's 3 a.m. Right. on a Monday morning. I'm like, well, I'm done for the week. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> I could uh, start another company. I could go try drugs. You know, it's like yeah, right. so you got You got to make sure that calendar's booked. So my assistant is very happy to know that I'm back on the road. I bet. Yeah. Keeps and, her happy. And you're noted as a, as an author as well. Let's talk about. Um, uh, why the customer experience now more than ever means something. Well, I mean, it meant something before COVID too. But if you think about it now, in terms of in terms of everything that uh, happens in a customer experience, think about your last flight, right? Think about the last air air flight you took, right? Where you're 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 on a plane and you get to the airport three hours early because they make you do that, and and. You go through the TSA line that looks the easiest, and it's fine until they get to you, and for whatever reason, you look dangerous. They stop you. Now you get a full strip search. You know, now you're running to the gate because now you're late for your gate, but it's right over there, except they moved it and they didn't tell you. Now you're running across the airport, right? They gave away your seat. You're sitting in the back of the plane next to the back. If you take off on time, have the seat you want and land on time, in your mind, that's the greatest flight ever. Yeah, right. So if the bar is that low... Businesses, companies, bureaus, you guys have the opportunity to literally win everything just by, pardon my expression, sucking a little bit less. I, I find that out as I'm, uh, you know, like, like last year, because uh, uh, the recreation industry is having a rough time, like a lot of places are with labor, the yeah. labor pool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so um, I go and I, I want to go to a restaurant. Maybe the service isn't what it used to be. Yeah. But I'm still very polite about it because I, I appreciate that. How long does that last? How long before we start going, you know what, net, net, you, now we want that experience that we're actually paying for? Well, and that's the interesting thing is that the com- the customers who expect that experience, right? If they un- if they understand that, hey, it's tough for everyone, it'll come back to them first, right? From a customer experience, you know, just be a little nicer. Yeah. But from a business experience, you know, you really have an opportunity to shine here. You know, maybe you don't book as many tables at that restaurant for that Friday night so you can give the people who do come that higher level of service. Um, great example, Morton's Steakhouse, right? I'm a huge fan of Morton's. Uh, all over, I've eaten there all over the world. Um, one day I was flying home from, from Florida and I jokingly sent a tweet, uh, like about 10 years ago, I sent a tweet to him, hey Morton's, I'm landing in three hours, why don't you meet me at the airport with the porterhouse? Ha 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 ha. Well, they did. They did. Okay, now here's <laughs> the funny thing. Now you'd think that's a great customer service story, but what happens if you go to Morton's, they don't have your reservation ready, they screw up your drink, your steak's cold, right? Oh, sure, they'll send Shankman a steak to the airport, they can't even get my drink right. Mm-hmm. They have to be perfect with everything they do. But the level of perfect, the level of, of perfectness that people expect, again, is so low that all they do to go out of their way, when you make a reservation at Morton's, they say, great, we'll see you Friday date. By the way, are you celebrating anything? Oh, yeah, it's my girlfriend's birthday. Great, what's her name? Oh, her name's Gabriella. Great, we'll see you and Gabriella on Friday. When you show up, you sit down, and they've replaced the regular menus with a little paper menu, and then on top it says, happy birthday, Gabriella. Yeah. That's all it takes. What's Gabby going to do now for the next three hours? Instagram the hell out of that. I'm not going to get a drink. That's yeah. it. She's going to be doing yeah. that for three hours. Yeah. Who are Gabby's friends? Women who want their boyfriends to take them to more. What have they done? They've created that effect. 
and they've built that level of customer service, what did it cost? A tenth of a cent of ink, right? The bar is really low. You don't have to be amazing. But that takes innovative thinking, though. It does. It? Yeah. It, but innovative thinking is free. Okay. That's Not everybody has it. Companies are afraid that, oh, if I do more customer service, it's going to be a cost, uh, cost center. Yeah. No, it's a profit center. Because the littlest things, because that bar is so low, right? Your airplane didn't crash into a, into a mountain. You're over the moon, yeah. right? So if the bar is really that low, I don't need you to be awesome. I don't need you to – I had Tony Robbins on my own podcast uh, a couple of years ago, and you know, he was talking about the whole walk on fire. Dude, that stuff's hard. I don't need you to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to walk on fire. Just be a little bit better than what's expected. And when the bar is so low, it's pretty easy to do. Interesting. Um, I want to come on back and talk about one of the things that you're uh, – you know, how – how scary it is um, uh, to to invest, and and I think the customer experience is one of those things that we think we got handled, uh, but then we learned some hard lessons. Maybe uh, yep. Peter Shankman is with us. We're back with more. We're live at the Governor's Conference on Tourism and Recreation here in Billings at the DoubleTree. Here's Brian Bennett with headlines. Agriculture and rural communities are the heart of Montana. That's why Montana Farmers Union is once again hosting primary congressional debates to keep the issues that our farming and ranching communities face at the forefront of this election season. Visit MontanaFarmersUnion.com to attend a debate near you or tune in for a live broadcast from ABC Fox, our Northern Ag Network. We'll see you at the debates. All right, welcome back. Uh, Sherrod Rupert's going to join us a bit later on. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, how you build tribal tourism, how you work together, some uh, collaborative efforts there. Peter Shankman, um, as, as I mentioned, I love it. The New York Times calls him a rock star, knows everything about social media, and then some. You can find out more. He's one of our keynote speakers here at the tourism conference um, here at the Billings uh, Doubletree, fasterthannormal.com, and uh, anything that he tweets out goes out on, on Peter Shankman, at Peter Shankman. That's S-H-A-N. K M A N. Peter, uh, going into the break, we, we talked about um, you know how this pandemic has ex- shaped our uh, maybe uh, the business side of things. What about our customer experience as well? Um, it, it, because I felt like right before the pandemic, we maybe were overlooking the customer experience. Yeah, we definitely were, and you know it, it was. Sometimes, as horrible as the pandemic was, it's things like that that shake things up that really allow things to change, right? You can't change without motivation. And so all of a sudden, we have this motivation to go, whether it's, oh, I can work from home, or, oh, I can order in, or I can do whatever, or I have to be outside. We have the opportunity to change things because there's no rules as to how this is supposed to go, yeah. right? It's entirely new. And so one of the things that I notice is that the simple act of a business, because everyone was, I mean, think about, think about last uh, April of 2020, right? May of 2020, we were scared to death. Right, and it was at least where I am from in New York City, it was scary. Yeah. I mean, New York had some of the highest COVID rates in the, in the country, death rates in the country. And what you'd find is when you did walk into a business, you're triple masks, and you're running in, and you're doing all that. The simple act of a customer, uh, of, a, of an of an employee, smiling at you, right, and saying, "Hey, everything's supposed to be, you know, no touch, but I just want to look you in the eye and let you know we're here, we're open." It's that little bit. It doesn't take more than that because, again, the bar went even lower. During COVID, and so now things that now, now that things are starting to come back, companies can ask themselves, okay, <clears throat> perfect example. Um, hotels are now used to no touch uh, interactions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we'll give you your you can get your key via your phone. That was implemented five years ago, but never really take it off. During COVID, it became an emergency thing where everyone had to do it, right? Now you have the ability to say, hey, you can get your key by your phone if that's what you prefer, or we'll give you one. 
right? So you can actually take the best of both worlds. So look at the stuff you did during COVID. Don't throw it out the door just because COVID is quote unquote over. Figure out what your audience liked. You do more of that. And the best way to do that, that companies simply don't do enough, talk to your customers. Oh. They will tell you every single thing you need to know if you just listen to them. I hear that advice time and time again uh, for business owners who are, are looking, and you have to be malleable uh, if you're going to own a business. And it's, I'm not talking about, um, you know, please fill out this form and, right. t- you know, one through ten. No, talk, call them, email them, find out how they like to get their information and reach out to them that way. You know, sometimes a simple, a simple text, right? Hey, were we good? Yes. Awesome. See you next time. It's personal, and it gives you that feedback that you need. Um, i got about a minute plus. Um, how do we get over the hump of being afraid to change things that we've done? Best way to do that is to remember that if you don't like where you are, but you don't make an effort to change where you are, that is where you'll stay. That's how trees are born. right? Trees don't move. They're trees. You're not a tree. You have the ability to try something. If it doesn't work, great. You learn from it. If it does work, even better. But if you don't do it, the only guarantee is that you're not going to change and nothing's going to happen. What do you want people from this conference to take away from Peter Shankman? I'd love them to take away two things. Number one is the fact that that, uh, you can improve your customer's experience and it's free and it's easy and it makes everyone, not just the customer, it makes the employees, makes everyone in your orbit happier. And the second thing I take away is if you do nothing else, smile a little more. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that, yeah. as a matter of fact. Uh, and and, and you just that whole friendliness, that whole friendly atmosphere. It, we, it's not yeah. a, we don't have enough of it in this country, in what, this world. What, what's Peter Shankman going to take away from Montana? Um, I'm hoping to get outside before my flight home this afternoon and, and look around a little bit. I, I, I'm taking away from the fact that it's dang, darn cold here. I didn't, I ex, I didn't expect that. I was hoping to go out for a run this morning. No way. Yep. But, no, it's beautiful here. I've been, I've been to uh, other parts of the state before. It really is gorgeous. Noted uh, Ironman triathlete. You yes, probably sir. need a run, don't Indeed. you? Indeed. Yeah. Peter, thank you so much for being on I appreciate that, Peter Shank. But we'll take a break and come on back as Sherry Rupert will be with us next here. It's from Montana for Montana, Voices of Montana. Voices of Montana continues right after this. Opportunity, safety, teamwork. That's what's waiting for you at BNSF Railway. BNSF is hiring track maintenance positions with competitive salary and benefits in 19 cities across Montana and North Dakota. Track maintenance is vital not only to rail safety and reliability, but also the nation's supply chain. We need people like you to keep our network moving efficiently. Visit jobs.bnsf.com to learn more. Working together to build tribal tourism. Sherry Rupert is with us, Executive Director for the American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association, which um, uh, is one <clears throat> heck of a title, but it makes a really great uh, acronym, IANTA. How yeah. are you? Good morning. Thank you for being here. Nice to be here. What is IANTA then? Let's start with that. The um, And how long has this um, tourism organization been around? Sure. As you said, we're the American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association. Everybody always picks up Alaska. Right. Uh, But uh, our association uh, works with all 547 tribes nationwide and um, Native Hawaiians. And we are um, here to advance tourism in the tribal uh, communities and Native Hawaiian communities. Do they all want tourism? Not everybody wants tourism, and and that's their choice. They're sovereigns. They get to decide... Uh, what they'd like to share. Yeah. So then, uh, one of the things that you're, you'll be talking about is, is collaborating. And we just chatted briefly how um, how 
when we started looking at tourism and recreation in this country as an industry, um, we didn't necessarily include the tribes in that conversation. Right. So um, what I was saying was that the tourism infrastructure and system as we have it today in the United States was never set up for tribal participation. And I say that because, um, as you know, the state destination management organizations or state governor's tourism offices and the local CVBs, Convention and Visitors Bureaus, uh, receive room tax funds uh, for for, um, uh, their mission. Mm -hmm. And uh, so uh, tribes don't give in to uh, the room tax um, when they have hotels and uh, their fees come in, the tribe decides where they're going to utilize those funds. And oftentimes they use it for life safety issues such as um, health care or senior care, uh, education, law enforcement, those types of things. And so when tribes don't give into the room tax, there's no mandate by the state tourism offices or the local CVBs to provide marketing for those tribal attractions and destinations. Mm-hmm. And so this was seen um, by tribes uh, back in 1998 when they came together and formed this association. They knew at that time that there was no advocacy on their behalf, that there was no organization that was helping them to uh, come to market uh, with with their attractions and destinations. And so IANTA was born out of that recollection or out of that recognition um, that there, um, there was no level playing field for them, that there was no equity and inclusion for them. What do we need to do then? What, what brings um, positive results in, in collaboration? Well, I think that, you know, if couple of things. If we can uh, get more DMOs to understand um, what is happening here, that that tribes, they may not give to the bed tax, but they do bring in um, visitors to the community, um, that the, the larger community or the community at large benefits from uh, visitors coming to Indian country. And uh, we're seeing more and more uh, visitors not just um, internationally, as has been in the past, but domestically now coming to Indian country. So it benefits everybody if tribes succeed in tourism. And, and this is this is cultural tourism. Um, well, it seems like a new phrase to me. Is it relatively new? I wouldn't say that it's new. Yeah. Uh, we've been as Native people around a long time, mm-hmm. and we've been sharing with visitors for you know, centuries. And but it hasn't been it hasn't been real formal. You know, it's sort of been we have these events and you're all in, invited. Um, you're you're, uh, you're you're talking about more of a a directive, I presume. Right, we're we're organizing, yeah. right? Um, everybody has their different attractions and destinations across the country in Indian Country, and now we're coming together and we're really building this cultural heritage tourism um, effort. And, uh, you know, it takes all of us uh, to work together, as I mentioned earlier. What tribal attractions then are are popular or what tribal attractions maybe are undervalued? Well, if I think about that question, I think that any attraction that has Native people telling their stories is popular. And I think that's what everybody needs to understand is there's a difference between Native-inspired and Native-owned. And so if you really want that authentic experience in Indian country, 
then you want to go with a native tour guide. You want to visit um, the tribes themselves, and you want to you want to talk to them. You want to find out um, their history. You want to find out their challenges. You want to find out, you know, what what you can do um, in the Indian country. And that sounds like sort of the answer to a question when you talk about building relationships. You know, what are the best practices in in building relationships and Right. So we've had, as Indian people, have had, I'll say, a jaded past with mm. with the federal government and um, other cultures. And so our people are very cautious and um, you have to build trust. Yeah. And so in my years of being the Indian Affairs Director in Nevada uh, for 15 years, the first thing that I learned is you have to build that trust. And how do you build trust is by going out to the communities, meeting with the people, showing up at their events, letting them know that, that you care and that, um, that you want to work with them. So you're always constantly building that relationship. Uh, Sherry Rupert is with us here. She is the CEO of IANTA. And again, uh, that's the, I think I can look at the and say American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association. Uh, appreciate the acronym. Um, and, and this is kind of a little bit more on that that um, discussion regarding building trust because there there are obviously some gaps I think in in our in our culture and in our relationship uh, with uh, with Native Americans as you said part of that is because of the treatment uh, from the federal government um, and, and there's a lot of reasons that go into that um, and, and I you know I wonder if that's a barrier or if it's a gap and 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 how do we do we need to fill that? How do we fill that and for positive results? Well, I think a lot of times working with tribes is new to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so it can be overwhelming. They don't know where to start. And I think the first place to start is just to, you know, start asking questions. Be interested. Find out more. Don't worry about saying the wrong thing or not asking the right question. It's just, you know, getting to know each other. I think is is the main thing and getting to understand that, you know, tribes are sovereigns and they are going to have different policies and procedures. And sometimes it takes a little longer because they're smaller governments. And so just understanding those things in um, going in and and working with tribes. Um, And I I appreciate that, too, because I I know that that takes it takes some work to do. And and the answer is it can it's just as simple as looking each other in the eye and being honest and open, Mm -hmm. I guess, about um, the uh, we talked a little bit about some, uh, you know, attractions that are popular or or undervalued. Um, What are some of the cultural tourism attractions that tribes offer that would um, you would see as being maybe underserved or there's a, a great upside to those? Okay, so I'll take the upside. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would encourage anybody out there that is looking to, you know, visit Indian country is to go to their um, cultural centers and welcome centers because that's where you're going to find the people that are willing to share their stories. And um, that's a good start um, to finding out uh, what's available uh, in that particular tribe. As far as some of the unique experiences that can be had in Indian country, um, I think of um, the Yurok tribe in uh, Northern California. Um, they're situated in the where the redwood forest is. And so uh, they have carvers up there and they've carved uh, canoes for thousands of years. And so recently they have carved canoes and, and um, started a, a, a canoe tour um, down uh, their river. 
And it's a it's a one of a kind thing that you can do with a native person from that place telling the story of their people and of the river and the importance of 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 that water to them and to their life and to the fish that reside um, in in that particular um, river. I- I would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat, as a right. matter of fact. Yeah. It's, and not knowing that it was around. Who can say that they rode in a redwood canoe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to take a break and, and come on back. Um, and I want to talk a, a, a little more here about one of the things that maybe you'd be addressing in your keynote speech, and that is um, the hesitancy, uh, the sensitivity to um, starting a, a new product or, or launching and then marketing that. I mean, uh, for me, I have no idea how to market these things, uh, or at least it's the toughest decision I think that, that uh, businesses make. So we're back with more. Sherry Rupert is with us here. Ianta CEO. It's from Montana for Montana Voices of Montana. Have you heard of Far Enough, Sun Prairie, or Powderville? Like Montana Livestock, Ed Credit's customers, my family is from all over Montana. Hi, I'm Aaron Oxart. Montana Livestock Ag Credit is an ag lending corporation owned by the borrowers and directed by nine board members that are producers from areas like Tudot, Weibo, and Whitewater. Give us a call at 800-332-3405, where our only line of business is and always has been financing farmers and ranchers from all over Montana. Or check us out at ag-credit.com. Sherry Rupert again with us here as it's Tom Schultz, Voices of Montana. We're live just for a few more minutes uh, on this program. But the conference continues. It uh, started last night, continues today through tomorrow. A lot of great breakout sessions. One of the keynote speakers here, Sherry Rupert, as I mentioned, Ianta, and that is A-I-A-N-T-A dot org for more information. Um, I, bridging the gap between, um, you know, and encouraging cu- cultural um, uh, attractions and tourism, um, the, I think there's a lot more to cover, a lot more ground to make up in that regard. Why is there some hesitancy out there? Or what are the difficulties for folks, whether they're in the tribe or not, to launch entrepreneurially some of these tourism businesses? Well, I think it, it can be overwhelming, you know, for, for somebody new that's coming into the industry. They don't know where to start. And so a lot of what IANTA does is to provide training uh, for those entrepreneurs. Uh, we have various trainings throughout the year. Um, some really start at the, the beginning of the, the tourism continuum. Um, and then some for um, those tribes that are or native-owned businesses that are um, further along in that continuum and are potentially looking at um, the international market. What are some of the things that, that, that they encounter that um, they'll need help with? Uh, I looked at marketing, and I know marketing is a real tough decision, I think, for businesses. Right, and marketing is very costly, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. And so, Especially uh, if you do it wrong. Right, and so it's very important to look at your markets, right? Who's, who's coming to see you? Who wants to come see you? And, and um, like I said, Montana, I think, has done it right. They have surveyed their the um, visitors that are coming to Montana. And one of the things that came out of that was, you know, over 80% of visitors want to visit Indian country. And so right there, I think if, um, you know, Indian country is looking at um, those statistics, um, they can look at what those, what those travelers are looking for. And I'm not saying, you know, change your, what you're offering to, to, um, to please the public. Um, but it helps to understand what they're looking for. I think that tribes should always stay true to themselves, stay true to their values and traditions, and never uh, com- be compromised by by what uh, visitors um, think that they want. 
And, and uh, that's an important point as well. And um, are there um, – uh, well, I don't want to go there. Um, uh, what, uh, uh, maybe if you can address it real quickly. Um, are, is, are there things that are inappropriate for us to expect if we are going to tribal country? Well, I think uh, a lot of what people think that they know about Indian country has been seen in movies and old movies. Uh, and uh, we're very different than that. And each tribe is very different. There are 574 yeah. across the nation, all unique in their languages, in their traditions, in their ceremonies, in their culture. And so I think that don't go in with expectations. Go in with an open mind and an open heart and learn from the people. And that is... That is easy enough, you know, if people just kind of drop those pretenses, they can do that. Um, uh, 30, well, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Um, what do you want Montana to take away from Sherry Rupert here at this conference? Uh, again, I think that um, just knowing that um, there are tribes out here that have amazing experiences um, for you to come and visit. Yeah, I covered a lot of it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Yep, Sherry Rupert. Kathleen Williams uh, on the program tomorrow. We'll be in studio for that. Um, and uh, my thanks to Eric Young, our in-studio engineer, live from the Governor's Conference on Tourism and Recreation. It's from Montana for Montana. T- Schultz, uh, Tom Schultz with Voices of Montana. Guys, see you tomorrow.